It's a Sunday morning, so you know what that means. That means grinders. Once again, it is our time. This is the Sunday Morning Grind Podcast. As always, Josh Taylor here with you, joined by my trusted associate, co-host, producer extraordinaire, Greg Finley. You may know him as Jermichael. Please don't call him Aloysius. Ladies, if you know what's good for you, call him. Or follow him on Twitter at TheGFin. Follow me on Twitter at JoshTaylorHD. Follow the show on Twitter at SundayMORNGrind. Episode, was episode five? Episode five. We're at episode five already. Moving pretty quickly here. We got a lot to talk about. We're going to talk some football. We'll talk baseball for a little bit here. We're going to talk a little NBA basketball. Plus, we have our favorite news headline game, Is This a Thing? We are instituting the hot sheet. We're, we're bringing it back for the first time on the podcast. We did it every week on the radio show. Now we're doing it on the podcast. We're bringing back hot sheet picks. We're going to have a lot of fun with this show. Greg, we're going to start out with some football talk here. The NFL offseason never lacks for drama, it seems like. It never seems like the NFL lacks for drama in the offseason, but there's another thing that the NFL never lacks for, and it is thirst at the quarterback position. The QB thirst is worse than any 90s Sprite commercial you will ever see in your life. And yes, I remember that Grant Hill drinks Sprite. Because I drank Sprite in the 90s because Grant Hill drank Sprite. But the QB thirst in the NFL is better than any Sprite commercial you will ever see, whether it's Grant Hill or LeBron, it doesn't matter. The the NFL QB thirst is real. Let's start out with the Carson Wentz trade. This is now in the books. Carson Wentz traded from Philadelphia to Indianapolis. Greg, let's break down the deal here. Eagles get a third-round pick in this year's upcoming draft in 2021. Then next season, they get a conditional second-round pick in 2022. That's all it took for the Colts to get Carson Wentz from the Eagles. Now, we know the situation with the Eagles, how Carson Wentz's decline and subsequent divorce in Philadelphia went. We're starting to hear even more stuff that that Carson Wentz and, and his coach didn't talk for like eight weeks. This is like nuts, the events leading up to this. That's just the latest thing that we've heard. We're hearing a lot of stories coming out of Philly about how this relationship went sour with Carson Wentz and the Eagles. But about as Philly as it gets. It's about as Philly <laughs> as it gets. You got a point. It, it may even teeter on being close to Cowboys as you get. But now he goes to Indianapolis. He gets reunited with Frank Reich, his former offensive coordinator in Philadelphia. So that's a little bit of a reunion in order to get rid of Carson Wentz. So he's he's off the Eagles' hands, so to speak. But now, I say this knowing that you are a longtime Colts fan. Yes, I am. Knowing you are a longtime Peyton Manning supporter. Love that guy. <laughs> um, and the the retirement of Phillip Rivers, whom for a year, I think we can agree, didn't do too badly by the Colts. He was good enough to get them into the playoffs and almost beat Buffalo. There's not much more I could ask for. Yeah, he didn't do too badly by them, and they lost to a really good Buffalo team that they gave a lot of a hard time to. Yes. And Buffalo probably should have been better in that game, so I can't really fault the Colts that much. So, with all that said, who comes out better for this? Indianapolis does. Really? I think the Colts win this deal because you already mentioned it. The whole situation with Frank Reich and Carson Wentz, when Reich was with Philadelphia, Wentz was having an MVP-type season until he got hurt. The Colts need a starting quarterback with Rivers retiring, 
They're taking on a contract that pays out, on average, $24.5 million per season over the next four years. If he doesn't, if they get to the playoffs and Wentz has to play 75% of the offensive snaps in 2021 or 70% of the snaps with a playoff appearance for the Eagles to get the first-round pick from from the uh, Colts. Wow. So if Wentz gets hurt or if Wentz gets benched, the Colts don't have to give up the first-round pick in the first place. It'll just be the second round. Right. But if he's really good, you go, all right, we just got our quarterback for the next four years – Here's here's the number one pick that we're probably going to take a quarterback with anyway, and it wasn't going to be a good one. So instead of having to go through, you know, rookie and work him way his way back up to the top with a new guy like they did with Andrew Luck, right? And now look where they're at with Jacoby Brissett and Brian Hoyer until they finally got Philip Rivers. They don't have to play all these games anymore with signing a veteran or drafting a rookie. They just went and got the quarterback. So I love that they went and did that for that reason and because him and Frank Reich were boys and he was very good in 2017 under Reich. True. The Eagles are terrible. They didn't have weapons for Carson Wentz these last couple of years. And we just found out that right before we got to recording this show, they released Deshaun Jackson. Yes. So there's that too. Alshon Jeffrey was hurt all the time. They had no run game because LaShawn McCoy was hurt all the time. And then last season... They really didn't have a run game. Yeah, it was running backs by committee. Because Shady left. So right. It was that whole thing. Right. For the, for the record, I don't think the Eagles had a healthy receiver in all of 2019. Exactly. Like, it was just, it was it was a mash unit, like in all senses of the word. Seriously. Exactly. So he now goes to Indianapolis, who has the defense to support him. They have the run game. They have the run game a ton to support him. Jonathan Taylor is a stud. Yes. We're and both have, big Jonathan Taylor fans. Absolutely. And they have stud receivers with T.Y. Hilton, Pittman, they have good tight ends with Mo Alley Cox, Jack Doyle. Yep. I love this move. The Heat, they needed a quarterback and he needed weapons, and now they're all smashed together. I think Indy wins this deal. Indy gets what they need. The Eagles, in a roundabout sort of way, kind of get what they need because they needed to get Carson once out of there just because of the situation and the relationship. But it also opens the door for them to either roll with Jalen Hurts. Whom I want to say they used a second round draft pick on, if I'm not mistaken. Uh huh. And it gives them a chance. If this does not work out, it still puts them in position to maybe draft a quarterback high in the next draft. So they can move on in a couple different ways. But I'll say this much as much as we talked about the Eagles' offense having problems, who kind of made it look better when he got inserted into the game? Jalen Hurts did because the running game started to have a little bit more dimension to it because Jalen Hurts became a running threat and he can throw a little bit when he's moving the pocket. So. Both teams are really in better position to move on, but I will lean towards you on this one because the Colts are better equipped now to still stay in the position that they're in, if not move higher. Like, they can still challenge in the AFC South. I think they can win the division now with this move. Absolutely. It's 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 a bigger possibility now. Now, granted, they got one thing they got to fix because Anthony Costanzo, their starting left tackle, he's retired. So now they got to replace him. They got to find a good tackle to protect, protect Wentz's blind spot. That's true. Other than that, they've got a chance to contend, if not win the AFC South. I think you got a point with that. The Eagles, on the other hand, and this is through no fault of the Eagles. You know where I'm going with this. <laughs> the Eagles, however, still have a chance to contend and win because they're in the NFC East, and the NFC East is hot garbage. So it's hard for me to just say, oh, well, the Colts are in better shape, because the truth of the matter is, 
even by making this deal, the Eagles still have a shot at it. Because remember, the Eagles were playing for a chance to win the division championship even after Carson Wentz got benched. So I can't say one team is better off than the other because they both have chances to win their division given the circumstances because the NFC East continues to be terrible. Yeah. Because it's you can't tell if the NFC East is a sneeze or a wet fart. You just can't tell. <laughs> so on paper, I think Indianapolis is better off, but because the Eagles are in a terrible trash division, maybe they're not that bad off after this deal. That's a fair point, especially the fact that Dallas threw shade with their uh, vid- their tribute video for next season. And they yes. didn't have Dak in it. It's they- like, all right, so what's Dallas going to do a quarterback? What's what are the what's the Washington football team going to do a quarterback? Is Alex Smith really coming back again? I don't think he is. They just got rid of Haskins, so now they need a new quarterback. The Eagles are going to roll out with Jalen Hurts, and the Giants are going to roll out with um. Uh, what's Daniel his name? Jones. Yeah, Daniel Jones. And the Red and and I almost called him almost called him the Redskins. Washington actually signed an extension with Taylor Heineke, but it's really like more of an insurance policy than it is a contract because it's heavily incentive laden. So if Heineke plays well, okay, he might be better compensated for it. If he doesn't, they kind of get a get out of jail free card, and it puts him in a position to, to pick up a quarterback down the road. Yeah, or they can draft one. Or they yeah, or they can draft one. So. I don't know how much better off Washington really is because it's really you're gambling on the success of Taylor Heineke based on one playoff start. Yes. We're right back at the beginning where we're like, yeah, the NFC East is just trash. Yeah, Even I when mean, you lay it out, you're like, this division's still terrible. Yeah, I, I mean, don't think it matters. Car- Carson Wentz wins this deal strictly because he gets out of the a- the NFC East. Oh, God. <laughs> just It's it's crazy now as a as a – as kind of a lament, it's crazy to think how fast Philly fell from Super Bowl champion to this point, to where Nick Foles and now Carson Wentz are both gone. Yep. Both gone from Philly, and now Jalen Hurts is the guy. This, not even very far removed, what, a couple years removed from a Super Bowl championship? And this is what happened in Philly. And, and Doug Peterson's gone. Yep. Like, all of that, Doug Peterson out, Nick Sirianni in. It's it's just it's a crazy crazy sequence of events. Yeah, like we said, it's as Philly as it gets. Absolutely, they're pulling a Kansas City Royals. You win the World Series and then you blow the whole thing up, and then everything falls apart. They won. They won the. Uh, they won the Super Bowl. They said, "All right, Nick Foles, thanks for your time. Go play with the Rams now, <laughs> and then go play with the Bears. We we we're gonna stick with the younger guy. Younger guy gets hurt. Younger guy throws interceptions. Younger guy gets benched." They bring in another younger guy, and now they're going with him. So this seems to be a pattern where younger guy comes in and screws everything up. That's the Philly way. Wow. (laughs) Now, you mentioned the Kansas City Royals. We have a related story that we need to get to in the second segment of this show. We'll talk about that later because there's a team that might be on deck to become the new Kansas City Royals, and that's actually the, the high end of expectations. That's if things go well. But we'll get to that later. That's a tease for you guys. Now, I have to admit, we might have really buried the lead for this show because we talked about the Eagles and Colts straight to start out. Maybe we're just working chronologically here. But now we got to get to the other part of at least this week that we have to discuss because back home on the home front here in Pittsburgh, there's some question marks, and it's starting to become more and more of a mystery of what the Steelers might do because Kevin Colbert 
had some conversations, or should say had a conversation with the media earlier this week, and now we 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 can't really tell because it, the 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 general message from the Steelers after the season ended was they expected Ben Roethlisberger to be back, they expected him to be their quarterback, and there really was no question about it. But they said later on, oh, well, we have to talk about his contract situation because we know we have a salary cap problem. We know we need to fix some things. And he was reportedly set to meet with the team, what, a week ago? Mm-hmm. Maybe this past week? But there was supposed to be a meeting of the minds to discuss his situation and maybe negotiate a way to make his contract work. And he reportedly had said, I'm willing to take a pay cut. I'm willing to make this work. And now we get reports that it may not be the same thing. Kevin Colbert had this quote, and this is through Brooke Pryor of ESPN. He says, as we sit here today, Ben is a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers. He reiterated to us that he wants to continue to play. We told him we have to look at this current situation. That does not sound like a GM that is 100% certain that they can make it work with this quarterback. And and that's it sounds like a GM that isn't sure that this team is ready for Ben to come back. I mean, if Ben comes back, it's to win a Super Bowl. You're not bringing him back to go get bounced in the wild card again. So do you want to see what another quarterback can do and see what your future looks like? Or do you think that you're in win-now mode and you can bring this guy back and pay him what he wants to be paid to win? And from what I've heard, from the quotes that I read, where he said, well, Rudolph looked pretty good in the games that we saw him play in, and we're we're really excited to see what Haskins can bring to the table. I'm hearing a lot of things that are telling me that Ben might be on his way out the door. And I'll, I'll, I'll add to that with a question. And this is an honest question, not just for you, Greg, for everyone listening, for Steeler fans who saw that playoff game and walked away from it disappointed, that that Steelers team and that playoff loss in the first round against Cleveland, that that looked like a team that is in win-now mode going into the 2021 season. No, it is not. And would it be a team in win-now mode given the fact that 18 guys on that team that lost to Cleveland – are free agents, and we know for a fact they're not keeping a good chunk of them. Correct. The evidence points in the direction that you're putting everything in, for me at least. The evidence is pointing to we know what we need to do in order to keep Ben, and we know what Ben is looking to do. But I think, this is just me, I'm I'm taking all the evidence and putting it in a direction, and if you've listened to me talk about this team over the years, I've always told you, they will leave you breadcrumbs. They will give you signs as to what they're doing. And I'll say this with this question. Who was the guy that told you way back in October that this team would have a new offensive coordinator by the end of the season? That would be you. I, I told you that, mostly because of the signs that this team was giving us. They will give you breadcrumbs and point you in a certain direction, and they will make you take everything and put two and two together and hope that you get four. They have given us two and two. And the thing that is screaming for to me is Ben not being on this team in 2021. Yep. I don't know how people feel about that. But I'm here to tell you, if you think this team, keeping Ben Roethlisberger around with the supporting cast that's going to be different next year because it's going to cost a whole lot more to keep everybody and it's not going to look the same. 
If you think this supporting cast is in win now mode right now, and we haven't done a thing in free agency, and we haven't seen a thing happen with the draft, you think this team's in win now mode to take a $41 million cap hit, then I don't know which game you've been watching. Because if you can sit there and look at that game against Cleveland and say this team is in win now mode with the performance of said quarterback who's due for a $41 million cap hit, by the way, I got to ask if you're being honest with yourself. Because we sit here and talk about how the NFL is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league. We want to talk about the stuff Ben did in the previous decade. Between 2005 and 2015, we can talk about that. But between 2015 and 2020, what has he done for you lately? We can assess wins and losses to other quarterbacks. We can talk about blaming the NFC Championship loss on Aaron Rodgers, but we don't want to put this playoff loss on Ben? You can't have it both ways. The NFL is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league. And if you think people are looking at what Ben Roethlisberger has done in a previous time, a longer time ago, because let's let's not kid ourselves, they are a lot further away from that last Super Bowl win than they are closer to the next one. They haven't won a playoff game in a while. It's been a long time. So what are we talking about here? If you're talking about this team being in win-now mode, I don't know what to tell you because win-now mode doesn't give up 28 points in a row versus Cleveland in the first quarter at home in the first round of the playoffs. That is not a win-now mode team. And a win-now mode team isn't losing its number one receiver, its number one running back, its number one center, and Bud Dupree. <laughs> it, it's our, it's number one A pass rusher and and arguably its number one run stopper in Tyson Alualu, yes. who's also a free agent. That does not look like a team in win-now mode. It doesn't. So, you can pick up the breadcrumbs where you want to, folks. But if you are one of those people that's still in disbelief that the Steelers will move on from Ben Roethlisberger, I got to remind you what franchise you've been watching. Now, I got to question how long you've been watching them, because if we've learned anything from the Steelers franchise, it's supposed to be, because as much as Mike Tomlin talks about the standard being the standard, there's also an ethos in that organization that no one guy is above the organization. At least that's what it's been in years past. And if they go with that $41 million cap hit for a quarterback who does not look like he's in win-now mode, you're putting one guy above the rest of the organization. And I think they know that's a problem. I think they know it goes against their ethos. I think they know that. Yeah. I think that's why Colbert said what he said. I mean, before it was, well, Ben wants to come back, and Ben even said, I'd love to come back. The Steelers want to have me back. But then I think Colbert really thought about it, and whenever he sat down, he wasn't going to shoot himself in the foot and say, well, we're definitely not bringing Ben back. So he's, you know, complimenting Rudolph, complimenting Haskins, and says we're still trying to work something out with Ben. But I don't think they're going to bring him back. I don't think they're going to work anything out. I don't think either side's going to get what they want. In trying to work this thing out. Right. I don't think they're going to get Ben to bring his contract number down or bring that cap hit down to where they feel comfortable that they can put guys around him that helped him be a team in win-now mode. I don't think they'll come to that consensus. So does Ben go to a different team this season, or do you think he hangs it up as a stealer? Well, here's the question. How many teams need quarterbacks right now? Because Indianapolis just got theirs. There's a lot of teams that need quarterbacks. (laughs) Indianapolis just got their quarterback. A couple teams appear to have their quarterback. We talked about Washington might need how Washington might need one. Carolina's looking for one. This this is actually part of is this a thing. So Okay. We can we can talk about that. We can talk about that and is this a thing. 
Okay. We'll we can call, discuss that further. We'll call that a tease. <laughs> that is what we call a tease, folks. But it, it does stand to reason. And honestly, do I see Ben going to another team? Here's here's why I'm conflicted with this. Because Ben has been a stealer for so long. And he has been the face of this franchise for so long. Do I see him wanting to go somewhere else? Do I see him wanting to play for another organization? Do I see him having that much of a willingness to prove himself? I do. But will another organization be willing to take that kind of risk on him? Because if if another organization is going to bring him in, if the Steelers decide to let him go, they're already going to have to pay the dead money to let him leave. So another organization is not going to have to pay him a lot. So he's getting paid either way, technically. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to cost a lot for another team to bring him in. But that team is going to have to be pretty much ready-made with everything else they need. So you're going to have to be in a Tampa Bay type of situation. However, Tampa Bay in the situation they were in, they brought in Tom Brady and won a Super Bowl with Tom Brady. Tom Brady's playoffs... And Ben Roethlisberger's playoffs this last year, maybe even the past couple years. They are not the same. Their playoff resumes have not been the same. So Ben to another team sounds good. If you're thinking, oh, well, they did it with Tom Brady. But I got to remind you, Ben ain't Tom Brady. Denver did it with Peyton Manning, too. Ben ain't Peyton Manning. And Peyton, let's be honest, Peyton Manning wasn't even Peyton Manning when they did that. Because, I mean, he was Peyton Manning, but he was not Peyton Manning. Like... (laughs) Pre-neck surgery, Peyton Manning was good. Post-bionic neck, Peyton Manning was not the same Peyton Manning. He lit up the league the one year whenever he had the 50 touchdowns in one season. He broke the record, and then they benched him, and they brought in Brock Osweiler. And Osweiler got them to the playoffs. Osweiler got hurt. They said, Peyton, please do whatever you can to win games, and they did. And the the ghost of Peyton Manning did just enough (laughs) to win a Super Bowl. But let's be honest, that defense did a lot of the work, and so did the run game. Right. Yeah, but my only point was Ben's not Peyton Manning either. No, he's not so, Peyton Manning either. So if any team looks at it and goes, well, look what the Bucks could do with Brady and build a team around that, I don't see any team right now that can look at, well, we have everything we need except a quarterback. I think any bad team in this league has a lot of problems and it's not just the quarterback. <laughs> right, and if, if you're talking about bringing in a quarterback who you just admitted is not post-neck surgery Peyton Manning, which is really a low bar to clear, it might be the most predictable quarterback to game plan for right now because a team like Washington, who really wasn't that good but had a good defense, but apparently knew everything the Steelers were going to do and knew how to stop Ben and shut him down. Mm-hmm. If you're talking about bringing in that guy that makes your offense that much more predictable, are you really helping your team? That's why I feel like the well, him going to another team might not be the best idea in the world, and we know how him staying turns out. So if this actually is going to make sense for all parties involved, perhaps it's best for Ben to just retire. If they can't if they can't come to a consensus, retirement might be the better thing because I don't know if he decides to play if he helps either team he ends up playing for, whether it be the Steelers or anybody else. I agree. I was surprised you had that little add to that. But it, it's maybe it's because you and I have talked about this so much. And I, I feel like I feel like there's just this this whole bit of denial when it comes to Steeler fans about just what Ben Roethlisberger is as a quarterback right now. We know what he used to be. We know what he was when he won that Super Bowl against Arizona. But here's the reality that hasn't set in yet. Greg, that was 12 
thir- almost 13 years ago. Yep. That was a decade plus. We are further from that guy than we are to the guy that we see right now. There's this, a lot of turnover. This is a quarterback that just came off of elbow surgery. Yes. And he was lighting the league up for the first eight weeks of the season. And then defense has figured out the Steelers can't run the ball. So, And then key guys on that defense got hurt one at a time. Right. But when defense has found out, well, the Steelers can't run the ball, we're going to attack Ben and make him uncomfortable, they did just that. And then the Steelers ran two-yard slant routes or screens against the Bengals on Monday Night Football and got embarrassed. Yeah, and, and, the and Bengals, Joe Burrow wasn't the quarterback. And yeah, when you lose to the Bengals without Joe Burrow, that's bad. And not to mention the fact that they pretty much did it running man cover two most of the night. Because yep. they knew they can get enough pressure in a short period of time. And we knew Ben didn't want to get hit. Because him getting hit's not an option with this offense. And we talked about this before too. The beginning of the season, that first eleven games, Ben Roethlisberger was a function in that offense. He was he was a part of the offense to help it thrive, to help it succeed. The latter five games of the season in that playoff game, the offense looked like the thing to keep Ben Roethlisberger functioning. It looked like it operated to keep him alive, mm-hmm. to keep him on both feet. And the former, the results for the former look a lot better than the latter. But the ideology of the former is what you want. You don't want the ideology of the latter. If your offense is trying to sustain your quarterback... You can't expect to win games, and that's exactly what happened. Yeah. They didn't win games. No, and you can't go down 28 nothing in a playoff game. In the and, first quarter and, at home. And come back and expect to win that game. No, you can't. Especially when you get when you gifted them 14 points to start out. Exactly. At the very beginning of the at game, the with the ball the snapped over the quarterback's head, and he wouldn't even jump on it. I saw Tom Brady jump on it. Didn't we have that discussion? Yes, we did. It that's another reason why yep. Tom Brady's playoff resume recently and Ben's playoff <laughs> resume are not the same. And for that, we will just leave it right there. With that in mind, let's talk about this because we're talking about quarterbacks now. Mm-hmm. We were, we'll talk about teams that need quarterbacks in the second half of the show. But let's talk about something that we found that I thought was a very interesting, that you and I both thought was a very interesting situation. And it was a tweet that we read from Field Yates. Yes. He tweeted from 2009 to 2016, there are no quarterbacks left that are still with their original team. So, let's go look at it and see how bad this list is or how bad these guys screwed up. Is this list worse than the list of quarterbacks from Cleveland? From like Tim Couch <laughs> to Baker Mayfield? Is this list worse no, than that? No, I don't think it's that bad. Okay, because I was about to be wild. But there is a Cleveland Brown on the list. Do you Why know am who I it not is? in the least bit surprised? Do you know who it is? It is... Actually, there's two of them. Let me guess. Um, What years did you say again? 2009 to 2016. Oh, Johnny Manziel's on that Manziel list. is on the list. Yeah. And Deshaun Kaiser's the other one. No. Oh, really? Okay. It's um, Brandon Whedon. Oh, Brandon Lee- Whedon is on that list. Yes, he yes, is. He is. Okay. All right. Let's break the full list down because I'm ruining. I'm I'm ruining and ruining and spoiling the entire. Okay. Game. So Stafford went from the Lions now to the Rams, and these are all guys that were drafted in the first round. First correct? round. Okay. Oh, so, yeah, Deshaun Kaiser definitely was in the first round. What was I thinking? So Stafford to the Rams right. was with the Lions. Not a bad career with the Lions. He had Calvin Johnson to really help him. 
Yeah, but, his best years were with Megatron. Yes. Because he had Megatron. But Correct. The rest, <laughs> but the rest of it looked the way it did because, yeah, he played in Detroit. Correct. Mark Sanchez. Oh, dear God. <laughs> Remember they were actually going to any AFC Championship games with Mark Sanchez with the Jets? They that beat was, the Patriots. That was a thing. <laughs> they beat the Patriots in the playoffs. Yeah. They were actually good. <laughs> Eric Mangini was a thing in New York for a while, and there was success there. And with um, with uh, Rex Ryan. And Rex Ryan. It yep. was working. It was. They played the Steelers in the AFC Championship. They sure did. Thanks, Doug Bryan. Josh Freeman, Tampa Gosh. Bay Buccaneers. Oh, he was a first-round pick. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. Sam Bradford. Guy couldn't stay healthy. They changed the rules for paying rookies because of Sam Bradford's contract. That should tell you a lot about why that didn't work. Tim, I just quit the Mets, Tebow. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> First round pick. He beat the Steelers. He did what he was supposed to do. That's the one. That's probably the highlight of his career. Superman, Cam Newton. I'm still convinced the Steelers broke him two seasons ago. They did. They broke him on that Thursday night game, and he was never the same since. They absolutely did. That's a thing. Jake Locker. Oh, my God. Tennessee Titans. Guy got a concussion, was never the same he again. never He never really got, like, a real shot, did he? No, he didn't. Wow. They wanted to give him one, but he got hurt, yeah. and he never came back. You kind of can't blame team or player for that one. It's just unfortunate. My favorite one on the list, Blaine the Train Gabbard. Super Bowl champion. <laughs> Why did I not see the setup coming? <laughs> For those who are, are new to listening to the show, if you did not listen to the radio show previously, we, we, we will one day we will go into the, the genesis of the man crush that Greg has on Blaine Gabbard. Basically, I picked him in hot sheet all the time when I picked the Cardinals, and they'd show up and win a football game, and it was because that guy made plays. I, I still to this day do not comprehend how that was possible, and I'm really mad at myself for not seeing this setup coming. But proceed, my friend. Christian Ponder. Oh, oh, the Vikings. Here's here's one. That's one quarterback the day he got drafted. I remember calling my best friend because I saw him play for Florida State in person. I went to a Miami-Florida State game where it was raining the entire day. Miami was terrible. Florida State did not look great. And Christian Ponder beat a Miami team that just was kicking itself in the butt the entire day. And then that next year in the draft, he goes to Minnesota in the first round. And I texted my best friend who went to the game with me. And I'm like, what the hell did they see that we missed? <laughs> That's one of those picks where, like, that's not going to work. <laughs> he ended up okay, though. He married Sam Ponder. He's got a great wife. She's got a great career. He's doing all right. So he might have won in that scenario, but the Vikings, the Vikings not so much. Did not. They did not. <laughs> Andrew Luck had to retire due to injury. Yes, and had it, before that, before maybe that couple years before he had to retire, when he wasn't getting killed in every other snap because Indianapolis would not put a line around him. Andrew Luck was actually carving out a decent career for himself. Probably the best quarterback on this list would yeah. be either him or Cam before the Steelers broke Cam. I would give Cam the edge because Cam won an MVP. In that season, he did it. He was really spectacular. I agree. Robert Griffin Third. Good Lord. Guy got hurt way too many times because he ran around too much, and in the playoffs, whatever they played against the Cowboys, Cowboys were like, is this guy really just going to keep running? And DeMarcus Ware... Murdered his leg. <laughs> Let, let's have the discussion. Who were the two quarterbacks out of that draft that were the big names? Andrew Luck and Robert, Robert Griffin, Griffin III. III. Both went to teams that could not avoid getting them killed. Yep. You get what you pay for. That's a problem. And I'm not talking about quarterbacks. I'm talking about what you put around the quarterbacks. They gave them no help. 
Ryan Tannehill, he's really boosted his career in Tennessee. He has. After, I mean, just like what you said, you get what you pay for with what you have. The Dolphins didn't have anything, and he got hurt too. Yes, he, he did. didn't even get to play in that playoff game against Pittsburgh because he was getting beaten so much by defenses. And Ryan Tannehill was another guy that, you, if you got to look at him, you're like, is this guy really going to flourish in the NFL? Didn't really have a lot of time to build a resume at Texas A&M, but made the most out of it. Got himself drafted in the first round. It didn't work out in Miami, like you mentioned. But he goes to Tennessee with the right team and the right setup in the right way of building an organization around defense, a decent running game, and, and weapons around him, and a good offensive line, Ryan Tannehill can be a good quarterback. And we saw what they've done, not only as far as regular season, but they've had playoff success too. Tennessee's built a nice, decent organization that is a contender in the AFC. Do I think they're one of the top three teams? No, but are they a playoff team every year and a division contender? Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. And Ryan Tannehill has a lot to do with that. And I'll say one more thing. He's actually been a very good performing quarterback statistically. And it kind of gets left out because, oh, Derrick Henry. Oh, the defense. Oh, Mike Vrabel. Tannehill's been pretty good. He has. I agree. Blake Bortles. Dear God. I beat the Steelers in the playoffs. He he and Tim Tebow both beat the Steelers in the playoffs. Once again, That's I'm going to come back around to this again. If you want to talk about making it about quarterbacks and, and whether or not quarterbacks really lead to wins or losses, if you're one of those people and you're still thinking, oh, the Steelers should keep Ben. You lost to Tim Tebow and Blake Bortles in the playoffs. Think again. That's all I'm saying. Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater is one of those guys that probably still has a shot to rewrite the rest of his story. It did not work in Carolina. It should have worked better in Minnesota, if not for that terrible knee injury. And I thought with the little bit of opportunity he had in New Orleans, he made the most of it. He did. He was he was pretty good whenever Breeze got hurt. He, he was playing behind a Hall of Famer. Yep. Probably should not have gotten the shot, but when he did, he made the most of it. Oh, Jameis Winston. Dear God. Wow. Yep. Marcus Mariota might have a shot to be a starter this season. Could get a job. He could get himself a job. There were a couple of, of people who were trying to link him to the Steelers, and I'm going, eh. And now in retrospect, I'm thinking, <laughs> but no, Marcus Mariota. Mar- Marcus Mariota could get himself a job soon. Jared Goff. This is a guy that brought the Rams to the Super Bowl, and the Rams have just cut him, or they traded him for Matthew Stafford. That guy played in the Super Bowl. Yes, he did a year ago. And now he can't. Bowl. And now he can't throw the ball. <laughs> and now he can't throw the ball. And to make matters worse, he's, he's going to go play for the Lions. He's going to a place where quarterbacks' careers pretty much die. Think about this. Think about this. Let's let's be honest about this. After Matthew Stafford, who's the best quarterback in recent history with the Lions? And what who's the best and why is it Charlie Batch? I was going to say John Kitna, but it, Charlie Batch, okay. A- after Matthew Stafford, quarterbacks with Detroit like within the last 25 to 30 years, who is the best one and why is it Charlie Batch? Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> it might really be Charlie Batch. Was I'm he not kidding. Was he the quarterback? He was. He beat them on Thanksgiving. Yeah. He was the quarterback. He beat the Seals on Thanksgiving. Whenever Jerome called tails, or he called, uh, yeah, he called tails, they said he called heads. Yeah. Yep. Charlie Batch was that guy. In fairness, he was handing off to arguably the greatest running back of all time. But Charlie Batch could be the second best quarterback in the last 30 years besides Matthew Stafford. I'm just laying that argument out there. I got Detroit. I got family in Detroit. They'll, They'll argue with me if I'm wrong.
Remember the Lions had Dante Culpepper for a hot minute? I do remember <laughs> when they had Dante Culpepper for a hot minute. For the record, Ford Field's a really cool place to watch a football game. It sure looks like it. Detroit fans deserve a lot better. And if you get a chance to go to a Detroit Thanksgiving game, you will have the time of your life. That place is amazing. It's really fun for a Thanksgiving game. They go all out. It's like a mini Super Bowl, which is pretty much the closest thing Detroit fans are going to see, <laughs> but I digress. Uh, so Carson Wentz was one, and the last one, Paxton Lynch was a first-round pick by Denver. <laughs> this organization, Denver, managed to draft Tim Tebow and Paxton Lynch within a decade and somehow still won a Super Bowl with the ghost of Peyton Manning. <laughs> what? <laughs> they won a Super Bowl with the ghost of Peyton Manning. I, that is a fantastic line. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I can't fathom. Just we need to go to a break because my brain hurts. Wow. So here's what we're gonna do. I think I might have killed Greg. He can't stop laughing. We gotta go to a break. We come back. We gotta talk about we 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 mentioned the Royals earlier. We got a team now that's really walking in the same line of what the Royals did five or six years ago. And why it could work or why it could not work. We'll talk about that. We'll play our favorite news headline game. Is this a thing? And we're going to try to bring back the hot sheet. We're going to try to bring it back if we have time. We, we keep messing up ourselves having time for is this a thing. So we're going to try to have time for the hot sheet picks. Episode 5 of the Sunday Morning Grind Podcast. Josh Taylor, Greg Finley. See you in a minute. Greg, you spoil me. And if you're familiar with how this show works, then let me break down to you house rules. This show has one house rule. When Easy Lover plays, you air drum the solo at the beginning. That is the house rule. Literally had this discussion with somebody the other day. Welcome back. Episode 5 of the Sunday Morning Grind. Josh Taylor, Greg Finley. Okay, you just put me in a great mood. You're welcome. This, this This is a great mood to be on in a Sunday morning. We've talked a lot of football in the first segment. we got to get into baseball now. And this is something that we talked about a little bit in maybe indirectly in episode four. We mentioned this particular team, but the Padres. The Padres have put themselves in a position to where, Greg, you and I look at what they've done, and we're like, wait a minute. Are they done yet? Are they done yet? Are they done yet? The Padres were a team that hadn't spent a lot of money in recent years. But now they are doing some things that are kind of throwing people off. They traded for you, Darvish. They traded for Blake Snell. They brought in K.O. Nikella. They brought in Mark Melanson. And now this bombshell of a contract extension. That it's one of those things where I don't think anyone saw this coming. 14 years, $340 million, Did I get that right? Correct. For Fernando Tatis Jr. Now, I'm not going to come out and say that he's not worth paying 24 almost $25 million a year. I'm not going to say he's not worth paying it because I think he is. But 14 years on that contract. For a 24-year-old, which means when he's done, he'll be 38. And I'm 39 now. For for reference, when this contract's up, my son, who's due within the next, within the next five to six weeks, will be in high school. Correct. Or getting ready to start high school. Whoa. Yeah. 
That's a Whoa. huge contract. And you would think that people learn from what the Angels did with Albert Pujols and that age catches up to you, that yeah. you're not going to be the same guy whenever you're in your 30s. And they're paying that to a shortstop. Yeah, a lot of money. That is a lot of money. I don't, I don't know, man. I looked at that and thought, all right, well, they definitely just locked up Tatis. He's never going to play for another team. But, wow, that's a lot of money and a lot of years for a shortstop that's 24. I'd pay him $24 million for a five-year deal, and he's 29 years old, and then I would think about maybe bringing him back. Even if you cut the years in half, I'd look at that and say that's a smart move for San Diego. Mm-hmm. 14 years? That is ridiculous. Are there opt-outs? Because I don't see any opt-outs in that. I don't think there are. Good. What? Wow. <laughs> no wonder he ran to sign that contract. You don't. You can't blame him. That's incredible. But it, it leads to a larger conversation because we've talked so much in years past about smaller market or smaller revenue teams, however you want to categorize it in Major League Baseball, but how they just were not willing to commit that kind of money to put a team together. Now, in fairness, this isn't what people would expect from a team because when we're talking about putting money into a franchise. We're talking about them just signing free agents and, and rolling them over. San Diego has done it in a very smart way of doing using a lot of homegrown talent. And they're either, they're either playing those guys now or they're flipping those guys, bring other talent back, which is what teams that were really good in decades past also did. The Braves did it for a decade and a half. Had a lot of guys that were quality arms. The guys that they needed, they kept. The ones they couldn't use, they traded off and got other pieces back in return. So we've seen other teams do it for years. Theo Epstein pretty much helped build Boston to become a championship contender perennially for 10 years doing the exact same thing. So it's not like it's that crazy. However... To see a team like San Diego do it, who previously had not spent a lot of money, but to their credit, they at least did it incrementally. They raised their level a little bit more of money that they've spent to where they just gone and went past Philadelphia's stupid money <laughs> and committed $340 million for the next 14 years to a 24-year-old shortstop. But now the question is, can this work in San Diego? And if it does... How far does it get before this falls apart? And is it worth that kind of gamble where you're almost gambling a decade and a half worth of money? See, here's the thing for me. I'm happy that the Padres are going all out because I'm tired of the Dodgers just dominating the NL West every year. You and I both love that part. We both we, we both might become Padres fans just because for this season. Correct. Or the next couple. Correct. Because I'm tired of the Dodgers just doing whatever they want, like getting Trevor Bauer because they're the Dodgers, or, you know, at the trade deadline going, well, what do we need? Oh, we need a pitcher? Oh, we'll just go get him because we're the Dodgers. So, hallelujah, somebody's trying in that division to dethrone the Dodgers. But I don't know if anything can be enough to dethrone the Dodgers. They have way too much talent. And they have way too many team-friendly contracts where they can bring everybody back because everybody's a homegrown talent. Except for, like, Mookie Betts, but they have a nice contract for him, too. And they can afford to pay Mookie Betts. The Dodgers have so much money that it came down to the Dodgers and the Mets for Justin Turner, and the Mets were like, yeah, we're going to pay him significantly more. But here's the thing. The last time Justin Turner's contract came up, who was the most? Who offered him the most? The Dodgers, because they were the Dodgers. Right. It came to the point where the Dodgers are either bidding against themselves or another major market team to keep guys like Justin Turner around. And that's nothing against Justin Turner because he's a good third baseman. But when you're in that position where it's either you or another larger market team because you can pretty much bid against yourself 
with any other organization to keep a guy that you want to keep around, what else is there for any other team to do? Exactly. And now with Darvish, 34 years old and rarely can stay healthy. Right. How how long until this blows up whenever a couple of guys get hurt and they don't have any depth because they spent all their money on these big names? I mean, now they have to stay healthy the whole year in order to continue to compete. The one thing I will say for San Diego that they might have a little bit of an ace in the hole. They have so much starting pitching depth that if one guy gets hurt, they still might be fine. Okay. Even if it doesn't work out this season, you're still going to have Mike Clevenger back coming uh, off yeah, an injury. Yeah, that's right. They do get Clevenger back. And they got five, six guys that they can put in a rotation now, and that sixth guy might be like the long guy or middle reliever in the bullpen. So they still have enough pitching depth to where if one or two guys go down, they might be okay over time. And like you mentioned, maybe you Darvish is probably the first one gone out of that group. Right. You got Darvish, Snell, Lamette, who's young. Yep. Paddock, who's very young. Yep. And Joe Musgrove, who's young. Exactly. So I think I think if they need to replace somebody, if need be, it's going to be Darvish, but they could definitely get another arm. He's the first man out, and Clevenger's probably the first man in. Look, you look at this team from top to bottom. Melanson's now going to be the closer. Yep. They're going to replace Kirby Yates, who struggled a ton last year. I'm okay with that. Pomerantz is going to be their lefty specialist setup man. Which and, I really like. And Emilio Pagan, who I really like because he's on my fantasy team. Of course. Keona Kella, he was pretty good for the Pirates, pretty good for Texas. He's probably going to be good for the Padres. You look from their at their positions now. Austin Nola, good catcher. Yes. Eric Hosmer, good hitter. Jake Cronworth, young second baseman, but they got Jerickson Profar there too if they need to. I mean, he's going to be either in the outfield or at second base. And Profar's legit. That's a kid I saw playing double-A when I covered the Texas League. He's worth it. Manny Machado, uh, all-star. We know about Manny For, Machado. Fernando Tatis Jr., uh, all-star. Yes. Either Profar or Cronworth again because they're going to be flip-flopping them at second or left field. So th- they're going to be playing. Uh, Trent Grisham, don't really know much about him. Will Myers and Tommy Pham. Tommy Pham, who, thank God, is now in the NL West where he can't kill the Pirates anymore. <laughs> but Will Myers, another guy I saw playing double-A, covered him when he was in the Royals organization. First first athlete I ever interviewed on live TV, actually, Will Myers. That's awesome. But Will Myers, really good outfielder. So I look at that team from top to bottom, and then I look at the Dodgers, and the Dodgers still blow them out of the water. Yeah. K- Kershaw, Bauer, Bueller, Price, Urias. Trinan, Gratterall, Kelly, Corey Knable forgot they got him because they did, and Jansen. Then Will Smith, Muncie, Gavin Lux, or Chris Taylor. Take your pick who you'd like to put there. And Chris Taylor would be good on any team. Correct. Turner, Seeger, Chris Taylor again, or A.J. Pollock, Bellinger, Mookie Betts. I mean, the Padres did everything they possibly could, and they're still not going to be better than the Dodgers. So... To answer your question, I, again, love that they're trying. It's better to throw your money where your mouth is and say, hey, look, we're in it to win it, and we're going to go for it, and we're not going to just say, oh, well, we're not going to try and not spend money. So I'm happy that they're actually trying. I don't think it's going to work out. I don't think San Diego's going to dethrone the Dodgers anytime soon. It bothers me because there are people out there that will tell you this kind of investment, namely 14 years for $340 million, 
that it would be worth it if they won one World Series. No, it would not. <laughs> and, and and here's where it comes back around the discussion about the Royals. Because the Royals won it in 2015. And now they're hot garbage. <laughs> they paid money to bring everybody back because they wanted to get the band back together because they thought they could pull it off again. Well, a couple of different things happened. One, their division got better. Yep. And then two, because they ran into a team like Cleveland who, who won the American League and lost to the Cubs in the World Series. So there was that problem. Right. But on top of that, some of the guys they brought back were guys that they probably shouldn't have invested in because they were so old mm-hmm. or they were so past their prime or on the wrong side or closer to the wrong side of 30. So you start committing to guys like that and you start committing long-term money and you you kind of go against that, which you had already become to begin with. How much further can you go with this? And if you're San Diego, you got to ask yourself the question, when is the point to where winning a championship is still within the window of, okay, we do this now and it's worth it? Is it five years? Is it six years? Is it seven years? When you get to the point you say, okay, we don't know how much further we can sustain this and things start to fall apart again. Because it's not like you can just tank out and start all over because you're committed for a decade and a half to a guy for $340 million. Right. And that's not counting what happens with Andy Machado. That's not counting what happens with with some of the young pitchers because Paddock's going to be due for a raise at some point. Um, Musgrove. Musgrove's going to be due for a raise. If you want to keep Blake Snell around, you're going to have to pay him. Lamette. Lamette and Blake Snell. Is Blake Snell the second best left-handed starter in baseball? That's not behind named Kershaw? Clayton Kershaw? I think so. Like, it's Kershaw and then Blake Snell. And you're going to have to try to keep that guy because you're going to have a, you're going to want to have a guy that can might be able to go toe to toe with Kershaw. So you're going to have to play, pay Blake Snell. How far can you go with this the way it is before the wheels fall off? They're going to be spending a lot of stupid money pretty yes. soon if this doesn't work. They're going to be they're going to, because now they're going to have to backtrack and try to fix their mistakes by spending even more money to bring more people in. They're going to be in big trouble if this doesn't work. And if this is one of those things where one World Series isn't enough. You can't just be like, okay, well, they won the World Series one time. And it might have been because some other circumstances that weren't, you know, within their control happened. Right. Maybe the Dodgers have a bunch of injuries and they win the West and it gives them a better path to winning the World Series. Maybe that's the issue. But will it have been because of what they invested or will it be because of something else happening? It sounds like it'd be more the former, the latter than it would the former. My argument for that being the one thing that they may be able to bank on. Being in Southern California, being a team that competes against the Dodgers, you cannot afford to slip one year. You're going to have to be toe-to-toe with the Dodgers every year for probably the next seven and ten years. you got to be right there slugging it out with them every time. You're going to have to win the division a couple times, maybe even a couple times in a row. You're going to have to steal a playoff series at some point because we know that if both teams make the playoffs, which I expect them to both do in 2021, both teams should be in the playoffs, yes. which means they may cross paths in the postseason. You're going to have to steal a series. You do. Just to get out of the National League, you got to steal a series from the Dodgers. And that seems hard enough in and of itself, much less getting to the World Series and winning it. I think the only reason the Mets were able to do it whenever they played the Dodgers was because Daniel Murphy was lighting everybody up. Right. One guy did one thing, and their pitching was stellar. So now you're asking... You Darvish, who was great last year because he pitched on a very short season, right. who hasn't been very good on long-term seasons because he can never stay healthy. You're asking him now to get you to the playoffs and pitch well in the playoffs. Now, the one thing that may help you, Darvish, if he's pitching at home, is that he's pitching in a really big ballpark mm-hmm. that's more pitcher-friendly in Petco. 
that might be the thing that helps him. It is still Petco Park. It is, yes. Okay. The the stadium's changed name so much, it's hard to keep track. (laughs) But pitching in Petco, which is a historically pitcher's-friendly park, might be the one thing that helps you Darvish out, assuming he's pitching at home. That's the one factor. I agree. But for the large for the large part of it, and and this is where I can't really blame the Padres, because they really have two choices. You either roll the dice like this and try to make this work and hope that being competitive might make you profitable enough to make it sustainable, which we've already seen in the Royals case may not necessarily be true, or you do what the Pirates are doing. You do what the Astros did. You do what the Cubs did. You're trying to take pretty much two different paths to get to the same destination. We've seen what the one path has done for a couple of different organizations. We haven't seen this happen the way the Padres are doing it yet. So that's where the, that, well, I should say we've seen it happen once. But even with the Royals, there was some team building there. There were a lot of homegrown pieces with that Royals team. You had your, your uh, Salvador Perez's. You had your Alex Gordon's. You had your Air Cosmers, who was with the Royals at one point. The Moose, Moustakis. You had Mike Moustakis. You had homegrown pieces. You had your Donovan Ventura, rest in peace. You had those guys that were homegrown pieces. I saw a bunch of those guys playing double A. So you knew what they were because you knew what they were building. But after a certain point, they never really, they never really replenished it. This is the one thing that I might, I might give San Diego over, over Kansas City. San Diego might still have enough young talent in their minor league system that they might be able to replenish it. Remember, all those trades that they went through. They didn't have to give up the number one guy. They didn't give up any other, what, their top five guys didn't get touched. Right. So that might be the thing that you look at and say, okay, San Diego might have another option here if they can still replenish the talent that they might lose over time because they're not going to be able to afford to keep everybody. I did did forget about that they do have a pretty good uh, number one prospect as their pitcher. So if you Darvish doesn't work out, we're probably going to see him get called up anyway. You might see the number one prospect or you might see a healthy Mike Clevenger. Which <laughs> that's gonna be it's a hell of a fallback. Yeah, one. you'll take you'll take that Mackenzie Gore. That's who I'm yeah. thinking of. And, and as I say this, I'm kind of talking myself out of my position now that it might not be worth it for the project Padres. But that might be the silver bullet for them. And they know that. That's probably why they're doing it. That's probably why they're doing it. it it's probably why. they they tried this before, and we talked about this before. We said, all right, they got Matt Kemp. All right, they got the Upton brothers. All right, they did this. They got Craig Kimbrell. But where's the starting pitching? Right. Now, where was the starting pitching? They now have it. They have it. And they have every other piece around them. Now, the only thing is, David versus Goliath, you got to kill the Dodgers. And I don't know if they can do it. But if you keep spending money the way the Padres are spending it, when do you start becoming Goliath and when do you stop being David? Right. I think that's the issue here. I think that's what kind of throws this whole thing in flux. Because it's like okay, the, there's the twenty, there's the the you know, bottom third of the league, a media market in San Diego. Like oh, you know, the hapless Padres war them, but then you give your twenty four year old shortstop fourteen years, three hundred forty million. How hapless are you really? You either are hapless and taking the biggest risk of a lifetime, or maybe you're not as hapless as you're making yourselves out to be, which pretty much is what puts this whole situation in flux. It's an interesting scenario, and like I said, you and I are probably going to become Padres fans at some point. We're going to be talking about this a lot this year. We're, we're, going, we're going to be very interested to see how they can go toe-to-toe with the Dodgers. It's going to be the best thing in baseball to watch this season. I'm, I'm hoping that we can break down a different division of baseball throughout the spring training each week 
That's what we and hope we'll to do. do a, we'll do a preview. We'll give our record predictions and what we expect to happen. And then we'll see what happens once the season starts. And why will we do this, Greg? Because we love baseball. Because gosh. we love baseball. All right, you want to go define if things are things? Yes, let's let's play our favorite news headline game. You hear the music. You know what time it is. It's time to get a little crazy. It's time to play our favorite news headline game. Is this a thing? If you're not familiar, here's how it works. Greg and I pick up on a few things that we see. Some things we see on Twitter, some news headlines that get out there. And basically, we look at those things, those concepts, those rumors, those headlines, and we say, is this something that we should pay attention to? Or is this indeed fake news? Greg, what you got for us? So I've got a lot. <laughs> you, came, you came armed with a list. I'm curious. Okay, so we were talking about quarterbacks earlier. So I'm going to start with that one because that, that was my big radio tease. <laughs> Could the 2021... NFL season match the 1999 season where there were 16 different teams that changed their starting quarterbacks. Wait, 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 wait. Lay that out for me again? Could the 2021 NFL season match 1999s? That's when 16 teams changed starting quarterbacks. 1999 season. So a big reason so many teams changed their starting quarterbacks That's that half year the league. can be explained by looking at teams that did not. Five future Hall of Famers, Brett Favre, Troy Aikman, Steve Young, Dan Marino, and Peyton Manning were in place at that time. That was Peyton Manning's second season. I'm yes. And seven of the 14 teams that did not make a change had a quarterback who had already started or would eventually start behind the center or would, or would eventually start behind center in at least one Super Bowl for them. So looking at that situation now, Mahomes, Brady, Rogers, Breeze slash Brent Ben if they return and Russell Wilson. Those are your six Hall of Fame guys, I would say. The nineteen ninety nine guy for the Steelers would be Cordell Stewart. Mm-hmm. Ah uh, yes. Mm-hmm. So, Forty six and twenty nine is a starter. Gotta point that part out. So are we going to see this happen this year? That's my question. Is this a thing? I think it's a thing. I was looking at predictions for quarterbacks there's a lot of different ones on different teams well it could get really fun well let's break it down carolina we know needs a starter we know carolina needs one we know the patriots are going to have another one because cam's not under contract in new england so the patriots are going to have another starter unless they bring him back because covid might have been the reason why he didn't work out there but i don't think they're going to and they had a lot of guys opt out in new england on that defense and that's the thing that people tend to leave out they're like oh new england sucked this year yeah cuz a third of their team didn't play correct there's that correct but could the jets want a new starter could they move on from sam darnold See, could that be a thing i was reading that if the jets want deshaun watson they could find a way to do it jets will have a lot of cap space Texans are going to move on from their quarterback. Jaguars are going to have a new quarterback. Mm -hmm. Colts already have their new quarterback. Right. Eagles have their new quarterback, presumably. So I'm thinking the Falcons are going to keep Matt Ryan. Yes. The Ravens are sticking with Jackson. Yes. The Bills are sticking with Allen. Oh, they'll stick with Allen for the next decade. Carolina is probably getting a new quarterback unless Bridgewater's coming back. But I don't think he is. I don't think he is either. I think Carolina knows they want to move on. Chicago's getting a new quarterback because Mitchell Trubisky is not the answer. Yeah, the Bears will have a new quarterback. I agree. Uh, Cleveland stick with Mayfield. Bengals have Burrow. We could say the majority of the AFC North will stick with their quarterbacks, and the Steelers might be the only ones that don't. Which is insane. Uh, If Dallas doesn't bring back Dak, new quarterback. And I think that's a good possibility. Yep, yep. 
I think that is very possible. If Denver isn't set with Drew Locke, they could get a new quarterback. I don't think they should be set with Drew No, Locke. I don't either. Lions traded Stafford, so they have Goff now. So That's both they and the Rams will have new quarterbacks. New so quarterback. two in one shot. Rodgers is sticking with Green Bay. Deshaun Watson is probably not going to be a Texan. Houston's will have, Houston will have a new quarterback. Colts, we already talked about. Jaguars, we already talked about. Uh, Kansas City, I guess they'll stick with Mahomes. Uh, Mahomes guy's okay. <laughs> we'll give it one more try. Chargers are sticking with Herbert. Oh, yeah. Another guy who they'll have for at least a decade. Raiders are sticking with Carr. Um, I think. For the time being. Yes. But not, not for the future. The sand is starting to slip through the hourglass there. The Dolphins like Tua. Yes, they do. The Vikings... Cousins isn't that good. No, but, but they're paying him an insane amount of money because yeah. for some odd reason, the Vikings <laughs> thought it was a better idea to pay an insane amount of money to Kirk Cousins than it was to keep an injured Teddy Bridgewater. But that's an entirely different conversation. <laughs> okay. You like that. We talked about New England. Yeah. If Breeze retires, Saints are going to have a new quarterback. Breeze says he's done, so the Saints will have a new quarterback. There you go. Uh, Daniel Jones will be the Giants guy. Yep. The Jets are going to have a different quarterback, most likely. I would expect that they do. Presumably, yes. Philadelphia will have Hurts. They will have Jalen Hurts. Steelers, we already talked about. I think presumably the here's, Steelers should have a new quarterback. Here's an interesting one. What about the 49ers? Do you move on from Garoppolo? My thing is, what are you going to want for Garoppolo? And who? what option is better? If you're going to draft a guy, now you got to unload Garoppolo... And you're going to be in a position to where he may not have as high of a value because you're more desperate to let him go than another team might be to take him. Right. Because the teams that we know about that are bad, that want new quarterbacks, they're going to try to draft him. Jacksonville's going to draft a guy. The Jets, if they don't trade for Deshaun Watson, they're going to draft a guy. Mm -hmm. The Patriots, if they don't sign a free agent or trade for somebody, they might draft a guy. So where are you really going with this? Right. I I don't know if San Francisco can get rid of Garoppolo. If they can't find the return that they want, they may not be able to get rid of him. They have two... Two years left on his contract. I say you ride it out. Give it one more year if I'm San Francisco. Because the thing is, I don't think the problem in San Francisco is that quarterback. No, it's not. It's definitely at the pieces they put around him. It's another team that was just in the Super Bowl. Right. It just played in the Super Bowl and, and lost were, to Kansas City the year before. They were terrible last year. Like, it, this is... I, if I'm San Francisco, I'm not ready to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo just yet because I don't think you're – I think the biggest problem that you had last season was because, A, you didn't have Jimmy Garoppolo for the majority, and, B, everything else seems to crumble because you didn't have Jimmy Garoppolo. Right. And a lot of your defense was hurt, which also seemed to make it impossible. When that, when the majority of that front seven is not available, what are they going to do? Exactly. So I, I don't know. If I'm San Francisco, I'm giving it one more shot. Unless you're thinking, hey – Let's shoot the moon and see if somebody is, is, is goofy enough to give us a de- an offer we can't refuse. If that's the case, then fine. Otherwise, if I'm San Francisco, I'm keeping Jimmy Garoppolo and just trying to put more resources in and building up the team around him. What if, and this is Sith Lord talk here, Uh oh. what if Bill Belichick is like, hey, wouldn't mind having a Garoppolo back on my team. What if Belichick brings Garoppolo back to New England? Because Tom Brady can't tell him no. <laughs> Is that a thing? <laughs> oh, my God. That is the best segue from one is this a thing topic to another. Oh, you said that perfectly. I never, ever gave this any thought up until now. Oh, my God. 
And you know New England doesn't like to draft in certain spots. They will trade down in a heartbeat. They absolutely will. They love to trade down. They will trade down. They'll give up. They'll, they'll collect lower picks. They'll collect a whole bunch of talent at the bottom end. And if Bill's got his quarterback, he can do everything he wants to with those lower end picks. Good Lord, Greg. That's wow. that's a scary thought, isn't that it? That is a very, <laughs> very scary thought. Because remember, if you were if you believe what you saw coming out of New England or what you read, Belichick didn't want to give up Garoppolo. Brady not. wanted him gone. Yes. Wow. You might have opened Pandora's box on that one. That is very Sith Lord worthy. So we will we'll continue to look at that. That's whew. So and then the last team was the Washington football team, and they're probably going to take another quarterback. They're probably going to have another quarterback. So whether it's I Taylor think, or else, or I elsewhere. think sixteen teams we named. I think we did. I think we did. I so think you're right. I think it's gonna be a thing. I think you just named two things in one shot. <laughs> which is outstanding work by you. That's in, in, incredible investigative work. <laughs> wow. That's Garoppolo going back to New England is going to sit on my brain for like six more weeks. It's going to be fun to look at. That's going to bother me so the draft. God, why did you do that to me? <laughs> I got to go with my first topic for is this a thing, and I got to credit a friend of the show for this one. Our, our buddy Alex Stumpf is the one responsible for this one. And I don't know if you saw that this broke, but just before we went to record this show, according to our friend Alex Stumpf from DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is what he wrote, uh, Today, as of the time of this recording, Alex wrote, During spring training last year, news trickled out that Ben Charrington was exploring potential contract extensions with Pirates players, including Brian Reynolds, Joe Musgrove, Kevin Newman, and Key Brian Hayes. It looks like that could be the case for this spring, too. And in Hayes' case, there have been at least initial discussions of a potential extension. Again, a source tells DK Pittsburgh Sports. My question to you, Greg, and I, I got a couple things I want to bring up to maybe support this case. The Pirates doing the unthinkable and offering an extension, an early extension to key Brian Hayes. Is this a thing? I hope it is. Because I like what Brian Hayes can bring to this ball club, and if you can lock him up, you have a third baseman for the future. Something that they haven't had in a long time. A reliable third baseman. <laughs> I don't know if it'll be a thing. The reason why I think it could be a thing is because of the GM who's there in Benjamin. Correct, correct. That's why I think it could be a thing. I don't think there's any way possible it would have been a thing previously. Agreed. I'm going to give you two reasons why I think it should be a thing. All right. The first reason is Evan Longoria in Tampa Bay. Remember, drafted by the Rays. First-round draft pick in 2006. Made his Major League debut in 2008 in in April 2008. Didn't start opening day, but was called up a couple weeks later. But before he made, or right around the time he made that debut, he signed a six-year, $17.5 million extension right around the time he made his MLB debut with Tampa Bay. Okay? So that's 2008. He played five full seasons. Well, close to five full seasons. 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012. End of the 2012 season, then signs a six-year, $100 million extension with Tampa Bay. Now, from 2008, when he made his debut to the end of the 2012 season, Evan Longoria had a 28.7 ones above replacement, according to Fangrass. That was the best among every third baseman in Major League Baseball during that five-season span. Now, having signed that extension before he actually got a full season in Major League Baseball, his total salary paid out because, remember, before the last year of that deal, he signed an extension for a bigger amount of money in 2012. So he never got through the initial, initial six years that he signed in 2008. 
but his total salary between 2008 2012, $9 million total. Wow. For five seasons of the best third baseman in baseball, according to wins above replacement by Fangraphs. How did they pull that off? <laughs> because they made the bet early. They took the risk early on the early money, and that's what they paid out. Because the biggest part of that backloaded first contract never saw fit because they signed him to a bigger extension. And then they traded him off to a team that could afford him in San Francisco. Wow. So they never even had to pay him that much for it. That's insane. That's the <laughs> argument as to why I think it should be a thing for the Pirates. Here's the second part of it. Chris Bryant, other side of the coin, drafted in 2013, first round pick by the Cubs. Debuts two years later with Chicago. He didn't sign his first big contract as far as money was concerned until 2018. $10.85 million to avoid arbitration. His contracts before 2018, 2015, 471,000 plus. 2016, 652,000. 2017, 1.05 million. 2018 was when he signed that $10.85 million contract. So he played three full seasons without signing a big deal until he signed the contract to avoid arbitration at 10 plus. Now, from 2015 to 2017, those three full seasons where he made a grand total of just above $2 million. Chris Bryant, 20.7 wins above replacement, according to Fangraphs, second best among all Major League Baseball third basemen. Josh Donaldson was the only third baseman who had more in that three-year span. Wow. But they paid out $2 million for that. But since then, from 2015 to 2020, they have a total contract value of $64 million because they never signed Chris Bryant to an extension. Mm -hmm. And worst of all for the Cubs, he's a free agent after this season. And who's his agent? Scott, Scott Boris. Boris. He this is why. He gone. <laughs> <laughs> this is why you do the first thing and not the second thing. Right. If the Pirates are going to make this a thing, you got to do what Tampa did with Evan Longoria. If you're going to if you're going to sign Key Brian Hayes to a contract extension, you do it now while it's affordable and you tell him you look, you know what? You meet this contract, we'll give you a bigger one down the road. So if it's going to be a thing, that's the way they have to do it. They have to do it the way Tampa did with Evan Longoria and not the way Chicago did with Chris Bryant. I agree. So it, it should be a thing, and it could be a thing. And we hope it is. And we hope it's a thing. <laughs> and we'll be on that. We'll be looking for it. All right. Uh, let's move on to Hot Sheet so we don't so we don't skip out on it. Yeah, we, 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 need, to, we need to not ignore Hot Sheet because this is, this is interesting. I think this could be fun. All right. One of these days we'll get into how sports betting has been absolutely awful for us in the early parts of 2021. We won't go into detail now. <laughs> That's a longer topic for a longer segment. All right, Ohio State playing Michigan, 1 o'clock. Who you got? Ohio State has been really, really good. They are, without question, one of the top 10 teams in the country. Michigan is good, but they're not top 10 in the country good. The problem is, we're, we're just picking straight up. We're not yeah, picking we don't have a spread. Because I wouldn't even know what a spread was for this game that I would be able to confidently pick. And I want to say they're playing this game in Ann Arbor. Correct. In which case, I'll go Ohio State, and thank God I don't have to pick a spread. I'm with you. I think Ohio State wins. The Nets and the Clippers. I'm looking forward to this game. 8 o'clock tip, ESPN. I'm going with Brooklyn because they just don't seem to let me down whenever I pick them. All they do is win. Here's the thing. And they're playing that game at Staples, right? Yep. Are Paul George and Kawhi Leonard going to play? 
That's the question. That's the question. The because di- we're recording this on Friday, one hour before the Clippers play the Jazz, and I got to see if Kawhi and Paul George are playing Friday night. Um, for purposes of my own wallet, let's hope no. Let's hope they're resting themselves for Sunday. To play. <laughs> I-, I will say that to say this: the last time we saw Kawhi and and Paul George together facing Brooklyn was in Brooklyn. Yep. And you saw what the Nets did in the second half of that game to come back and beat the Clippers. I sure did. But they had a healthy Kevin Durant. They had a healthy Kevin Durant. So they need Durant in order to win this game. So who you got? It's, it's hard to do this without, without like, qualifying. Well, how about we just say what we think, and then we can change it once we see what's actually going to happen. I feel like they'll have George and Kawhi back for this game. I think they will, too. So based on that theory and that punch, I will say Kawhi. All right. 76ers at the Raptors. Philly is really good at home. They're not as great on the road. Mm-hmm. And Toronto, for some odd reason, they are. They have moments when they just look pedestrian, and they have moments like they did against the Bucks earlier this week when they're freaking supernova. So who are you taking? I have no freaking clue. Um, <laughs> I like what Philly has as far as the element of how they have a bunch of different guys that do jobs well. Okay. I will go with the Sixers on this one, and, and armed with the belief that I could totally be proven wrong because Toronto could go nuts one night and make me look like an idiot. But I'll say, all right, I'm taking the Raptors. Uh, of course you. Do. Flyers at the Bruins. I'm taking the Bruins. See, I should take the Bruins, but they go and lose some stupid games too. Yes, so they do. Which they burned me earlier in the, the week. The Flyers do it too, though. The Flyers do it too. But I had money on the Bruins. I think they were like a minus 300-some-odd favorite, and they went and lost, and lost badly. Um, I'm going to go with Philly because I think Philly is less likely to burn in flames than the Bruins, if that makes sense. All right. I'll say Philly because I don't trust the Bruins. Because I really hate myself, I threw this in. The <laughs> Timberwolves and the Knicks. <laughs> yeah, Minnesota, seven wins. Yeah. Hey, don't look now. The Knicks are putting a nice little nucleus. They're putting a nice little nucleus. Hey, they added Derrick Rose to their team, and that was a nice move by them. They got got my guy Barrett over there. You know I love Obi Toppin. So who are you taking? I got to go with the Knicks for two different reasons. One, the Knicks look like they're actually putting something together that they can really believe in. Fans may not be on board with yet, but they might be on board with in two or three more years if they keep building the right way. And I'm saying this understanding fully that we're talking about the Knicks, so maybe I'm crazy. But I'll go with the Knicks, also because I don't trust myself. I will too. All right, quickly, uh, Elimination Chamber matches, the Raw, Kofi, Orton, AJ, Hardy, Sheamus, or McIntyre, who do you take? Drew McIntyre retains, and I think we get Drew versus Sheamus, either at Fastlane or WrestleMania. All right, I'm taking McIntyre as well, not to be that guy that takes your pick, but I just think that he retains. SmackDown, Jey Uso, Corbin, Zayn, Cesaro, Daniel Bryan, Kevin Owens. They are building Cesaro something fierce right now. And the winner of that match, by the way, faces Roman Reigns later on in the night. So that here's all I'm going with Cesaro to lose to Roman Reigns because they're building Cesaro, and I think they're trying to put this in the right way to build this matchup into something good. And Cesaro will give Roman Reigns a hell of a match with Roman Reigns. So right. I'll say Cesaro. I'll go Kevin Owens, Kevin Owens. And that'll do it then. So tune in again next week. Hopefully we have more time for our Is This a Thing segments because 
we just go on tangents when it comes to the Steelers. That's what happens. You you had a good topic though for is this a thing? You broke that down so well. You well, had two. You pretty much two is two is this a thing segments in one spot, in one <laughs> shot. That's impressive. To me. Uh, please tweet us. Please uh, interact with us. We look forward to hearing from you at Sunday Morn Grind on Twitter. Tune in next week. We'll see you then.